Well, good morning again, church. Just want to thank you all again for joining us online this morning, and uh, just what a blessing it is to be able to uh, share in God's Word together, even though we're not able to be, again, in the same place this morning that we are able to be uh, united in the blood of Christ and to be bound together, again, with a tie that transcends this world and uh, to know that we are children of God and that He desires to do something in us this morning. Uh, this morning we're going to look in uh, John chapter 8. Uh, we're going to start in uh, in verse 30, John chapter 8, verse starting in verse 30. But this was, uh, in this moment, uh, Christ had been uh, talking to the Jews. He had been among them, and, and there were many that were rising against him. And you know, this were things that he was really starting to move towards, uh, you know, being arrested and, and all that was going to come along with that in these moments. But there were a lot of people that were kind of against him in this moment. And in uh, John chapter 8, uh, we see this is where he had uh, forgiven the, the woman who had committed adultery, you know, the the leaders brought this woman who had committed adultery and said, you know, that they were commanded to stone this woman and what should they do? And uh, then Christ said, you know, if anyone, whoever is without sin, you be the one to cast the first stone. And of course, everybody uh, walked away. And then he talks about how he's the light of the world and he's testifying about himself and he's predicting that he's going to be, you know, leaving them, that he's going to be taken away from them uh, in this moment. And it says that, uh, Uh, starting in verse 30, chapter 8, starting in verse 30. It says, As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Uh, Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We are descendants of Abraham, they answered him, uh, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you will become free? Jesus responded, Truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. A slave does not remain in in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. So if the son sets you free, you you really will be free. I know you are descendants of Abraham, uh, but you are trying to kill me because my word has no place among you. I speak what I have seen in the presence of my father, so then you do what you have heard from your father. Our father is Abraham, they replied. If you were Abraham's children, Jesus told them, you would do what Abraham did. But now you are trying to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You are doing what your father does. We weren't born of sexual immorality, they said. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, If you were uh, your father, if God were your father, you would love me because I came from God and I am here. For I did not come uh, on my own, but he sent me. Why don't you understand what I say? Because you cannot listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe in me. Who among you can convict me of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? The one who is from God listens to God's words. This is why you don't listen, because you are not from God. The Jews responded to him, Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? I do not have a demon, Jesus answered. On the contrary, I honor my father, and you dishonor me. I do not seek my own glory, and there is one who seeks it and judges. Truly I tell you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Then the Jews said, Now we know that you have a demon. 
Abraham died, and so did the prophets. You say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died? Uh, Who do you claim to be? If I glorify myself, Jesus answered, my glory is nothing. My father, about whom you say he is our God, he is the one who glorifies me. You do not know him, but I know him. If I were to say I don't know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. The Jews replied, You aren't fifty years old, and yet you've seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was uh, was hidden and went out of the temple. So again, in this moment, he's talking to the Jews, and he has, it says in verse 30, it says, uh, As he was saying these things, many believed in him. So as he was proclaiming this truth about himself, there were many who received the message and, and saw uh, uh, the hope that was laid before him. They saw the, the divine nature of Christ. They saw the reflection of God in Christ. There were many who saw that and believed. They saw the fulfillment of all the promises of God standing there in front of them in Christ. But uh, what we see here in this moment uh, is is a people who... Uh, made their claim before God based on a person, based on physical means. Uh, in verse 56, it says, uh, or I'm sorry, in uh, in verse 33, it says, We are descendants of Abraham, they answered him, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you will become, uh, you will become free? Uh, and then in verse 39, it says, Our father is Abraham. So they kept making this claim to Abraham, uh, not recognizing the fullness of what Abraham actually saw in that moment, that there was no, there was no promise made based on the physical man. I mean, I, I think it, it's in Romans chapter four where it talks about uh, Abraham believed in his faith; his belief was credited to him, credited to him as righteousness. So, these people in this moment were making a claim to the physical nature that they were descendants of this this particular man. Uh, not recognizing that that man who God had made promises to, uh, Abraham, uh, he had faith, he was righteous because he had faith in the promises of God, and he had greater vision to see that the things that God was saying to him went beyond just a simple physical nature, but he saw through spiritual eyes to see the promises that God had laid out, and there was something greater that God was leading to, uh, that ultimately was fulfilled in, fulfilled in Christ. Um, so the first thing that uh, uh, I want to look at here is the contrast between uh, people putting their hope in physical means or making a claim to God based on some sort of simple religious experience as opposed to actually spiritually discerning the promises of God and recognizing that those promises are fulfilled in Christ. Uh, I think back to, uh, you know, when Christ was talking to his disciples, he says, uh, who, does, who do men say that I am? And he said, some say Elijah, some say prophets, all these things. And they say, who do you say that I am? And we are all confronted with that question. That's what the Jews were confronted with in this moment. Uh, they had to, for themselves, in the depths of who they are, decide who do you say that Christ actually is. Um, but I want to look at the contrast between this uh, divine uh, God leaving his place in heaven in Christ and coming to earth 
to fulfill the very promises that he made to Abraham. Everything that he had spoken to Abraham was fulfilled in Christ. So this divine being, uh, being God, that would come to earth and stand right in front of them, and they missed the fulfillment of all of those promises. Uh, so they were, uh, rather than putting their hope in the divine nature of God, the goodness of God, the mercy of God, uh, fulfilling his promises, rather than seeing that through spiritual vision, they put their hope in uh, the, the physical nature of man, that they were descendants of a specific man. Uh, but I first want to look at just the, the difference in nature between uh, the divine, uh, meaning God and Christ and the Holy Spirit, and the difference uh, then in the nature of man. Uh, we have to understand what the Bible says about the nature of humanity, first of all. Uh, Psalm 103 says this, starting in verse 15, The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. Uh, the wind blows over and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. And then Psalm 90, starting in verse 5, uh, the last half of verse, verse 5, it says, All people are like grass, like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. So we see all throughout Scripture, the Bible outlining how people were just here for this fleeting moment, how we spring up like grass and the wind blows and it withers. Like our life is just a, a vanishing vapor. It passes so quickly. It is so fragile. Uh, you know, so many, so many times we fall into the trap sometimes of just assuming that nothing's ever going to happen, that everything's always going to be okay, uh, that, that nothing bad is going to happen to us or our family. And, and uh, that's just not the nature uh, of the life that we live. Uh, humanity uh, has such a short lifespan and it is so fragile. And we have to recognize that, uh, again, I have nothing of eternal value. There is nothing in me that can accomplish anything of eternal value or lay hold of anything of eternal value. I can't in myself, but that's what we're getting at here today, and we'll talk about more as we go, is that Christ was the one who stand here, was standing here in front of the Jews. The fulfillment of all of these promises of eternal life, of, uh, of, of mercy, righteousness, the Bible talks about God being our refuge and strength, our help, all of these things that he would be, their God, and they would be his people, that was fulfilled in Christ in that moment, the fulfillment of the promises standing in front of these people. But yet in that moment, they made a claim to uh, the, the lineage of Abraham, uh, not recognizing, because the word of God says, the life uh, mortals is like grass, they flourish like the flower of a field, and the wind blows, and it is gone. Uh, so then we see, though, on the other side of this, uh, we see in verse 58, John chapter 8, uh, verse 58, it says, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So he's saying to them, you're making this claim to a man. You're making this claim to uh, his lineage. And absolutely, God made promises to that man. But Abraham himself was looking beyond just the physical means of these promises. He was looking to the spiritual nature. He had faith and trust in what God was doing, where God was leading in all of this. But he's saying in this moment, you're making this claim to this man and being descendants of this man, but before he was, I have always been. Uh, and then we see this also in uh, uh, Exodus chapter 3, starting verse 13. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israels and say to them, 
Uh, the God of your father has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you were to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Uh, and I think, I can't remember what commentary this is, but it was talking about this, uh, that passage. And it said, I am is the ultimate statement of self-sufficiency, self-existence, immediate presence. God's existence is not contingent upon anyone else. His plans are not contingent on any circumstances. He promises that he will be what he will be. That is, he will be the eternally constant God. He stands ever-present and unchangeable, completely sufficient in himself to do what he wills to do and to accomplish what he wills to accomplish. So he's saying in this moment, when he says, tell them I am, who is who sent uh, you to them. Uh, I am who I am. He's saying that I, I am everything. Everything hinges on me. I am the fulfillment of everything. I am the foundation of everything. Everything is founded and established in me, and I don't depend on anything else. Uh, so, but then we go on, we see that Christ is the exact representation of the Father. The, the Father is the one who said to Abraham or Moses, uh, I am who I am. But then we see Christ is the exact representation of the Father. Hebrews 1 3 says, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Uh, so, we see that uh, God was making this claim, I am who I am. And then Christ is the exact representation of the Father. But we also see Christ again making that same claim in verse 58 of John chapter 8. Truly I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. So Christ was there with the Father in the beginning. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all dwell together uh, from eternity past and always will be. Uh, self-sufficient, not depending on anything else, and everything is founded, rooted, and established in them alone. Uh, the Father, Son, and the Spirit are all infinite, self-sufficient, self-existent, unchangeable, all-powerful, all-knowing, perfect in wisdom. Uh, in, in all of these things, all of their attributes, their goodness, mercy, righteousness, love, justice, everything that they are, they are all of those things infinitely at the same time. God never decides, today I'm going to be more loving than just, or today I'm going to be more just than I am loving. He is infinitely just and infinitely loving and infinitely merciful all at the same time in every moment. And so is Christ, and so is the Spirit of God. Uh, God is an overwhelming being. The Bible says that uh, he dwells in unapproachable light, yet the Father conceived the plan of salvation, inviting man back to his presence. Uh, and the Son then brought this plan to earth, and the Spirit works that plan in the hearts of believers. Uh, so this is the heavenly vision then that was seen by those who were faithful under the old covenant. They might not have known all of the details. They might have just seen a dim kind of picture of what was laying ahead, uh, but they believed in the promise of God, of God, and then they rejoiced in that promise of God. You see, when God spoke to Abraham, uh, we see, well, let's talk about this first. John chapter 8, verse 56, uh, it says, Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and he was glad. Abraham had spiritual vision. These people were making a claim to his 
lineage, to being his descendants, making a claim to that man himself, not recognizing that that man that God had made promises to had spiritual vision to see beyond this world, to recognize, Abraham would have recognized the fulfillment of these uh, promises that God was making to him. Uh, so heavenly vision allows us to see Christ as he is and then rejoice in the prospect of living life daily with him. Uh, Hebrews 11 says this, starting in verse 8, it says, By faith Abraham, when he, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Uh, all of these people, if you go through Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about a lot of people, all of these people in the Old Covenant that had faith, uh, that they weren't just simply living by law, but they were uh, living out of a believing response in the promise of God. In verse 13, it says, All of these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on the earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. You see all of these people under the old covenant that were living by faith. Those were the ones who were recognized as righteousness. People, not just who followed every bit of the law, but they had faith. They believed in God, and their life responded to God out of their belief in him. But every one of them, they recognized that they were foreigners and strangers on the earth. They they did not receive the promise. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. So they had this picture of the promises of God, and they saw that something was off in the distance that God was doing, but they welcomed that with joy. Um, and they were moving towards that promise every day in their life through spiritual vision, understanding what God had laid ahead of them, and they were walking towards that uh Instead, instead of looking back to where they had come from, in verse 16, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Uh, therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So God has prepared a city for those who would walk in faith with him, not making a religious claim to uh, some sort of law or not making some religious claim to as the Jews did to the lineage of Abraham, but they saw the promises of God through their heart, through the Spirit working in their heart. They saw these promises and longed to lay hold of these spiritual promises that God had laid out for them. Um, Romans chapter 4. Uh, I'm sorry, let's go here. Uh, we, we've seen and we've talked many times about how the Bible talks about uh, in First Peter about how... Uh, uh, all of the salvation that was available to us in Christ, all of the promises of Christ, and if you read First Peter, it lays out these promises that we have a living hope uh, in him, that we have this inheritance in him, that the Word of God has outlined that we are co-heirs with Christ. Everything that is uh, has been given to Christ has been given to us as we are co-heirs with him. And uh, it goes on in First Peter, I think, chapter 4, or three to talk about how uh, 
the prophets in the old covenant had they would prophesy and they would search intently to try to understand what they were what God was speaking through them where God was going in the end of that chapter it says even angels long to look into these things so the point is that in the old covenant you had people who were just simply trying to get by living by uh religious ceremonial laws but uh even, even though that's what God asked them to do in that moment but there were people who understood that everything that God was laying and out laying out in that moment he was pointing towards something greater to come he was uh, giving them some sort of spiritual vision in their hearts to see that all that they were doing in that moment was leading to uh, this great moment where God would come and he would fulfill these promises. They had that vision. They were searching to understand that vision. Uh, and again then, Christ comes on the scene, then he's talking to these Jews who are making the claim to Abraham, and he's saying, you are looking back to all of these things from the old covenant. You are looking back to these uh, religious laws. You are looking back to the, the lineage of a man, not recognizing that the fulfillment of every promise God has ever spoken stands in front of you right now. And in that moment, they were confronted again with the question that Christ posed to his disciples, who do you say that I am? See, every one of us is confronted with that question Today, we are confronted with that question, who do you say that he is? You see, because we can go and sit through church services, we can uh, read Christian books, we can do good Christian things, but at some point we have to uh, respond in our hearts, recognize in our hearts uh, what we believe uh, about that question. What is the answer to that question? What does our What do our actions prove that we believe Concerning that question, who do you say that I am? Do we believe that he is the fulfillment of every promise of God? Do we believe that everything that God has ever spoken is standing in front of us uh, in Christ, and through him we are able to step into every spiritual blessing? Or do we, do we simply believe that uh, a simple religious spirit experience is enough, simply doing and going uh, places, making sometimes the claim is that that uh, you know we've been raised in the church and our family was a part of the church and we have this lineage of people who had served in the church and that's a great thing, but that can never lead us to the place where we believe we have some sort of claim on God or the church because we've done all of these things because my family has been here and done all of these things. You see, it takes. Every individual person at some point in their life being confronted with that question, who do you say that Christ is? Is he the fulfillment of the promises or is he simply a religious figure that we follow based on the prescribed methods uh, of what we call Christianity today? Um, we have the promises laid before us today then. And we have to ask ourselves, do we see that spiritually? Do we spiritually see, discern, and understand the promises of God uh, that have been fulfilled in Christ? Uh, and in Christ, then, he is an open door for us to walk through into all of the blessings that God has made available, all the promises of God that have been uh, made available to his people. Uh, so we have to understand that uh, we have to have spiritual vision to understand the things of God.
John 8, then in verse 59, it says, So they picked up the stones to throw at him, but Jesus uh, hid himself and went out to the temple. Um, So in this moment then, Again, if you go back to, I think it's verse 30, it says, as he was saying these things, many believed in him, but in this moment as he's testifying about who he is, there were people who believed and received him and followed him, and there were people who rejected him. Uh, There were people, no matter what Christ did or said, they would still reject him. They still would have an unbelieving heart. They still would miss Uh, the fulfillment of the promises. They would still miss that in Christ, the fulfillment of promise came in Christ, and he again stood there as the open door for them to walk through into all the spiritual blessings of God that have been made available to people. They would reject that uh, because of the unbelief that was in their hearts. They would reject that because of their religious claim to the lineage of Abraham. Uh, Revelation three, fourteen says this to the angel of the church in Laodicea. Right, these are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. And Vine's expository dictionary says this about uh, Amen. Thus, Amen said by God is it is and shall be so. Let me go back to that verse fourteen, Revelation three. The angel of the church in Laodicea. Right, these are the words of the Amen, the faithful and the true witness. And when amen is said by God, he is saying, it is and it shall be so. These are the words of the amen that we can have confidence that when God speaks, when he has spoken through Christ, when Christ came to the earth uh, revealing to us the exact representation of the Father, that everything that Christ has spoken of the Father, all spiritual blessings that Christ has spoken to uh, mankind, all all judgments, all justice, all righteousness, all love, everything, every word that has been spoken by Christ is God saying, it is and shall be so. That means that we can have confidence in that. That means that we can be sure that what Christ has spoken to his people, that I can step into that today. That I don't have to wait for that, that I don't have to look off in the future for that anymore. You see, again, what they were seeing in this old covenant was Abraham had these promise, but, but these promises, but he was looking off in the distance to see the fulfillment of them. And Christ is saying, I am here in this moment. I am the fulfillment of all of these things. You don't have to look off in the distance anymore. Everything that I have said Everything that I have spoken, everything that God is, is made available for you now to step into. 2 Corinthians one twenty says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. No matter how many promises God has spoken, they are yes in Christ. That means if Christ is in your life, then yes, those promises are for you. If Christ is, if you are walking in Christ today, if you've been purified by him, you're walking the spirit of God, then yes, God has refreshment for you and I. 
Yes, God has renewal. Yes, God has love to pour into your hearts. Yes, he has uh, the desire to transform our hearts, to reflect who he is. Yes, he has the ability to accomplish the work. Yes, he desires to complete that work in you and not leave you and I as we are, but take us on to the fulfillment of his work in us. The The answer to all of those statements and questions is yes, God desires to do in us and through us immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. This was the fulfillment of the promises of God, and they are available to Christ, to everyone who would believe in him. But you see, today we have to make sure that we don't reject Christ uh, as the Jews did in that moment, as, as some of the Jews did. We have to make sure that we are not falling into the trap of just religious routine and ceremony, but understanding that I have the opportunity to have communion and fellowship with God right now in Christ, who is his amen, saying, it is, it will be so. All my promises are yes in him. When he is in your life, yes, everything I have spoken is available to you now. And you can step in. It's not off in the future. It is now available to you and I in every way through Christ. Again, in these moments, I would encourage you, as we wait, uh, not knowing for sure when we'll be able to meet together in these moments, don't, don't wait to step into the promises of God. Don't, don't see anything that's going on now as I have to get through this so that we can get back to life, so that we can get back to our spiritual walk. We never wait. We step into the yes, the amen. It is so. Everything is available to you now. Step into it now. Don't wait. And when we come back together to worship together, we walk uh, in the testimony together of what God has done in each one of us, testifying together of God's goodness, carrying us through these moments. Will you pray with me this morning? God, we love you. We thank you for all that you are, for your desires for us, for your righteousness, your joy, your love, your uh, justice, your goodness, everything that you are, Father, that we are able to step into through Christ. All of your promises that you would be our God and we would be your people, that you would bring refreshment and renewal and hope. Father, we thank you for all of those things today that we have in Christ. Father, help us to never wait for another day to step into those promises but that we would step into those things now in Christ, that we wouldn't look off in the future, that we wouldn't see those promises uh, in in, uh, in a kind of a dim way through the glass like those under the old covenant we're looking at, but we would see them clearly through your Son. Father, we love you today. We thank you for all that you have done and all that you will do as we walk with you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.